This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Eric Eager is our next guest from Pro Football Focus. We love their stuff on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline, and he put out a top 130 list that included the BYU Cougars at number 22. Eric, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Now, listen, uh, we we love BYU. We cover BYU here. We, you had BYU at 22, and we were like, hey, how about that? Top 25, we like that. What went into the ranking of putting BYU where you had them? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, college football is so hard because, you know, you have this cycling in and out of players, um, you know, year to year, uh, and you sort of have to make sure, um, you know, whether, you know, you're losing a quarterback or losing a coach, um, you know, losing uh, players like Zach Wilson, um, whether, you know, what kind of effect that that will have. Um, So we essentially what we'll do is take, you know, our player grades from, you know, previous seasons will weigh them accordingly based upon what's the most important in college football. We do the same thing for NFL and, and it's a little bit different than the NFL. Um, and then we'll take market information. So, you know, how likely a team is to win their conference. If they have a conference, how likely it is that they'll win, um, you know, the national championship, if that's applicable. Um, and then, and then we you sort of regress all those things and uh, we do it in a way that helps predict future games the best. And so um, while, you know, BYU had a great year last year, obviously they're, they're, they're projected to fall off at least a little bit because of, of Noah Zach Wilson. They're still a strong program. And, and that's again, why we have them in the top 25. Um, despite I think many people looking at the fact that they had a number one overall, you know, number two overall pick, but maybe the best player in the draft uh, leave, um, you know, this past year. So then in terms of optimism for BYU and because you, you mentioned, you know, some other places, maybe they don't have them as as highly graded. Is yours then mostly metric based as opposed to opinion based? Well, give everybody an idea of kind of that breakdown on how much of this is opinion and then how much of it metrically is saying that this is where you guys believe BYU should be. Yeah, it, it's just like, it, you know, it's not opinion based. So we're, we're uh, you know, we don't have somebody. We do have college football analysts for sure. And and the guys that grade our games, there's a, a decent amount of, I wouldn't say subjectivity, but like there there are judgment calls that the graders have to make. But everything after that is based on data science and, um, you know, trying to optimize our, our ability to predict games. Um, and, and, and that's kind of where you know, that that's kind of where, you know, sort of blending the human with the, the machine learning type of stuff to get to where we're at. Um, but, but yeah, the optimism there, I think, um, you know, the optimism there stems from the fact that when you look at last year's team, they didn't have that hard of a schedule, but they blew out almost every team that they were facing. There were 40, you know, close to 40 point favorites a number of times. Um, and they, and they come back with players, even though, uh, they do lose, you know, one of, if not the best college football quarterback, they come back with players uh, that aren't too shabby themselves. Walk me through some of the data science of football now, because obviously the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, this has really evolved in a new way where pro football focus, you guys have come onto the scene in a massive way in the NFL and college football. Yeah, I mean, so one of the, for example, like take um, running backs, uh, you know, Tyler Algier, for example, you know, we're talking about a guy who, you know, 7.6 yards per carry last year, but, you know, 4.7 yards per carry after contact. There are a lot of running backs in college football 
who would love to have 4.7 yards per carry total. And he's getting that after first contact. So, you know, when you look at running back play, what's more predictive? Well, what's more predictive is a, a running back's ability to make yards on his own. Uh, the yards that they get, you know, they lose Brady Christensen, they left tackle there. They're going to lose some, you know, pl- they're going to lose some players there. But Algiers, you know, be, I think, a little bit more impervious to that than maybe a player who, who plays for a, a much more stout offensive line. Um, and running backs, when you look at, you know, sort of, okay, how much do we weigh a, a great running back versus a great wide receiver versus a great quarterback? College football is far more of a game where passing isn't necessarily as important. Um, and so, you know, if, if they were an NFL team returning that sort of strength at that position, we would be less likely to be as bullish on them than a college team uh, returning a player uh, at, at that position. So it, it's really is it's sort of like what's important. Um, let the computer find out what's important. Weigh the date, the available data, and then compare teams, um, you know, uh, like for like. So how is a running running game going to do against a run defense? Uh, and, and how much does that matter in a given situation? Well, and that's a perfect segue, Eric, into, into what I wanted to ask you about. And it was Tyler Algier. You guys have him ranked as the highest returning player at, at 92.1. What are the expectations for Tyler Algier coming up in 2021? Well, one of the things you have to really like about him, I mean, prior, and I know this is because of a position change, but prior to a season ago, you're talking about a guy with 26 career carries. Um, and you look at what was one of the, what was one of the hottest running backs in the, in the 2021 draft. It was uh, Javante Williams of North, North Carolina, a guy with almost no tread on his tires. You look at Algier here, um, 7.5 yards per carry in his career, just two fumbles. But you look eight you know, in his career, 4.8 yards per carry after contact. Again, it's it's about forcing missed tackles. It's about making plays as well as making plays in the passing game where he's been extremely good as well. So he kind of does it all for that offense. And I know, you know, when they bring in a new quarterback or not new quarterback, but they they have a new starter in place, a guy who played pretty well um, in Romney like a couple of years ago when Zach Wilson was injured. Um, you know, having a guy like that as a weapon is really going to benefit them, I, I think. Yeah, it'll be an interesting. There's kind of a three quarterback race, and uh, you know, two guys that have started multiple games, and then a, a freshman quarterback who said no to Alabama. So that's always exciting at BYU to have yeah. that kind of guy. So we're excited about that. When you look at the data science, like you talked about, and you mentioned yards after contact and how that's predictive of future success, right? What other numbers do you look at that are beyond the average box score or season stats that you guys look at and have access to that tell you a story that's different than what the average consumer sees? Well, I think the easy ones are, you know, if you're looking at, if you're looking at pass rushers, looking at their pressure rates, don't look at their sack rates, right? Cause sacks are extremely noisy year to year. Um, you know, so, and we saw that in the, in the past draft, you saw like Jason away or Adafi away, you know, get drafted in the first round because of all these things that were good about him didn't have sacks, you know, but you look at, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, look at things like pressures, um, look at things like stops. Don't look at tackles, look at things that are impactful. If you make a tackle 15 yards downfield as a linebacker, well, you sure you, you didn't do the worst thing, which is miss a tackle, but you didn't really do anything great. Um, you know, if, if you get a cleanup sack, and our graders give that a zero. Like, does that mean you have great skill? No, but if you beat a guy off the line of scrimmage and then the quarterback gets rid of the ball early, that's not your fault either. So on that side of the ball, it's really looking at process versus results. And on the offensive side of the ball, this seems strange because we, we've spent an entire sort of draft, uh, you know, time period looking at Zach Wilson and how great he is, 
you know, off platform and, you know, the arm strength and all that kind of stuff. But really, when you look at a player, what you really want to look at is how good is he in a clean pocket? Because what we found is pressured pocket stuff, that's really noisy. You know, whether or not the pressure comes in a six-man rush or a four-man rush is going to influence how successful the throw is. And that really has nothing to do with the quarterback. Whereas how good a quarterback is when clean, when not facing pressure, that is the the true outcome for a QB. So, um, you know, and you can look at all that stuff with a PFF subscription. We have college data now um, available for people. That is always where I look um, when I'm trying to say, okay, is, this guy has been really good. Is he is he being sustainably good or, at, or does he have a few noisy plays uh, in his data set? You touched on the offensive line a moment ago, and BYU lost Brady Christensen, third-round pick to Carolina, lost a lot of guys who either started or certainly played a major role as depth on the offensive line. Yet you're saying that the in the piece that the, the data is showing BYU's offensive line could still be one of the best in the nation. What, what, uh, what tells you that? Well, it's just, I mean, they did a great job of protecting Wilson last year. Um, offensive line is less about the Brady Christensen's of the world, the elite players, and more about like the weaknesses. Um, and as as you guys just talked about the quarterback position, BYU does a terrific job in recruiting. Um, you know, and and especially they've done for I think a number of years along the O line. So to me, it's more like okay, if you have a good you have a good coach, you have a good, uh, and, and none of your offensive linemen are liabilities the sum of the parts is far greater than let's say you have five average offensive linemen that offensive line will actually be elite right whereas if you have three great players and two weaker players um you know that offensive line is probably going to be worse than the one i just mentioned with five average guys and i think byu just has the potential to have you know to just not have weaknesses along the front full disclosure we have pro football focus uh, subscription we love it uh this is not a paid advertisement uh but we wanted to bring you on and talk about your top 130 as well so you had BYU at 22 we've talked about that only one other uh, one opponent on BYU's schedule is higher than BYU uh which is USC at 16 so do you feel like BYU is going to have a good year based on that absolutely so and and actually just they they just came out and and this is always a good way whenever you make a simulation wherever you make a projection, there are these markets where you can look at and see how much, how many wins a team's going to have. And so on the market right now, uh, Brigham Young, uh, six and a half wins, um, a little bit shaded towards the over is what people think. Um, yeah. and, and our simulation, at, you know, I, I, be, I believe, I don't know if we had average win there, but we have actually BYU going over that total about two thirds of the time. So our average win, win uh, share for them is 7.3 wins, which sort of seems low, but you know, noisy things happen year to year. Um, but they're one of the, the the ones where we, of course, like them a little bit over the market. But still, we're only about, uh, you know, eight-tenths of a win over what the market thinks. So we're high on them. Um, we're also high on USC. I think USC has a really good chance to win the Pac-12. Um, you know, they're, depending upon where you look, they're, they're co-favorites to win it, um, you know, with, with teams like Washington and with teams like Oregon. So, uh, you know, that is going to be a tough matchup. Keaton Slovis is, a, is, I think, a very good quarterback prospect. Um, but you know, uh, they'll, they'll have their hands full there, but yeah, as you said, the rest of the schedule is not going to be as daunting for them. You know, I think it's interesting, you know, you can see trends looking back, you can always see where things kind of started and, and where trends have gone. The, the analytics side of sports in terms of grades and pro football focus is certainly right at the top of that. How, how have you seen what you and pro football focus does how have you seen this change 
sports and how we look at sports? That's a great, great question. I think, um, you know, you, you see the fourth down rates are a lot higher. Um, you see um, wide receivers being featured a lot more. You know, one of the things that we've shown in our data set is that how valuable wide receivers are, um, but how variable they can be. So, you know, you have four Alabama receivers taken in round one in the last two seasons. Teams trying to hit on those lottery tickets because they know if you if you get uh, well, you know, one of those guys in your building or four of those guys in your building, a la the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last season, it's really hard to defend. Um, you know, and, and uh, that's that's one place. I think another place is is just, again, you know, how much quarterbacks are valued and how much quarterbacks like Zach Wilson end up being valued. I I I don't think Baker Mayfield's taken first overall in 2018 if PFF didn't have him as far and away the highest graded quarterback going into that uh, draft. I don't think Kyler Murray is taken that high if we weren't able to properly contextualize how great he was. And I think Zach Wilson. Um, you know, a player who Zach Wilson, Joe Burrow, two guys who were not really on the radar going into their final season emerged as top two picks both in both cases. And we were able to quantify exactly how phenomenal they were uh, and very much, uh, I think, play a part in sort of not only how important the passing game is, but how how to evaluate it properly. And guys like Burrow, guys like Wilson when they have these pop-up seasons, we're able to sort of tell the difference between, okay, this is Kyle Trask and he has great numbers, but he's not quite as good. And and here's uh, Zach Wilson who has great numbers and he is quite that good. I personally love what you guys do. I know Jason does as well. It's been awesome. We really uh, love our subscription as well. And uh, we appreciate the quantification of success like you talked about in areas where perhaps it was a little harder to understand. Eric, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming on and uh, telling us about your one thirty in BYU football. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I can't wait. Uh, th- this offseason feels a lot more fun than last one. Yes, it, yes does. it does. Yes, it does. Thanks, Eric. It's Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. I'm serious. The context part of the like, you can't just look at these stats and go, oh, that's this or that. There's more to it. And so we learned a lot about kind of how they look at things. And last year was a banner year for a guy like Zach Wilson, the, the highest graded uh, PFF you know, quarterback in the era. He did some crazy stuff. And still just, very, very high on the BYU Cougars. Yes, which he is. is always, high, always fun to see. Higher than we are. Yeah, 22. It's awesome. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Okay, DraftKings <laughs> set the line, the over-under, for the season at six and a half wins for BYU. So we were thinking, if BYU hits the over but just barely and gets seven wins, is that enough of a minimum threshold for a successful BYU football season this year? Okay. I'm going to spend a lot of time focusing on one word you mentioned, minimum. <laughs> Is it a minimum threshold for success? Yes. Is it a good season? Is it a minimum threshold? Yes. Amen. Because, look, a, a, a 500 record by most accounts, is not considered a successful season. The only time I would consider a 500 record successful is if the year before you won two or three games. And so you're significantly increasing. Four and nine? 
Exactly. Because seven and six Correct. felt like a good start. Correct. So if you're making – look, and we're talking about this. We talk a lot about what, what, the, what are the Jets going to do with Zach Wilson. After winning two games, if you can somehow become 500 or increase your oh, win total significantly, be like that's successful. As if, far as – If they go six and ten, I'll be happy. If, as far as BYU football is concerned, the, the minimum threshold for success is seven. But I think that that's thinking rational – in terms of that, no, nobody. How, how if, dare you bring if that B, mindset? If BYU were to finish with seven wins, most of the fan base would be irate. I think so. And so, because, where, where's because, the line of happiness? I, honestly, I think if it's eight or more, eight plus, eight plus, I think you can be happy with that. Now, there's there's going to be some games yeah, that you're yeah. going to like. Oh man, if we only. But the minimum threshold, I think, is seven. But I think honestly, eight and certainly nine. That's where you're getting to that successful season. Nine, I start to sweat a little bit because, again, BYU's playing seven Power Fives and Boise State. That's a tough schedule. Even if among those seven, there's a bunch of winnable games. Like, let me tell you all the Power Five winnable games that I go, listen, if you told me BYU won that game, not shocked. Arizona, Arizona State, Baylor, Washington State, Virginia. Okay? The two that are like, okay, those are tougher. Obviously, Utah. And then USC right now is the best team on the schedule. Correct. So among those five, I'm like, okay, realistically, I want three of those to be a win. If BYU can go three and four, that is above the percentage recently and historically against Power Fives in a season. Not all Power Fives are created equal. If BYU played Cincinnati, that team is better than five of those seven Power Fives, right? It's not necessarily all about Power Fives, but there is something to it. That's why I bring it up so often. They have... Excellent backups. BYU has good starters, some good backups, right? That's where it, it gets tough. And that's why Tom Homo is loaded up the front of the schedule typically because he's like, okay, we're healthy, so let's go after it. I'm with you. Seven, seven is relatively successful right? given the schedule. In an average year, say uh, pre-independent days, we would never be happy with seven. Right. But in this situation... We are because we know it's a little different. You also throw into the fact that BYU lost Zach Wilson and, and 12 other dudes to the NFL. When did this happen? Recently. Those two things, you go, okay, it's going to be tough to approximate what happened last year. I don't, see, I don't see any way that BYU gets 10, 11, or 12 wins. That just feels like a pipe dream. Nine feels like, okay, if this team was just awesome and just took care of business, stayed healthy, executed, da da da, da. Nine seems like the ceiling the 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 bottom is I don't know five or six wins like if it got really hard and there was some notable injuries so seven I see yeah oh seven I see happening it's whether BYU gets to eight or nine see and that's why I thought that the over under should start at seven because it's right now it's six and a half we obviously spoke about this during this week I you just, love the half part though I, it, it, yes I get it you to an end. yes it, yeah. it but I I I like starting it at seven because I do think they're going to get. Seven. It's whether or not can you get and, eight. And that's and, aggressive, again, given the two factors, the schedule. And yes. Really well, and to what you said in terms of wanting to get three of those power fives. Those, those five. Of those five, yes, yeah, yeah. getting three of those five. Look, Arizona, you should win now. That's a win. You, you should win that. That's a win, it's, dog. That, is, that should be a win. And then you have three of the remaining four power fives at home. You have Utah at home. You have Arizona State at home. And then you have Virginia at home. You should – look, and I understand we're talking about Utah here, but BYU needs to get back to being 
that dominant home team against some of these teams. And we saw it in 2019. Yes, the against last, you, yes, yes, yes. Against the last you, two years, yes. BYU had a winning record. In fact, BYU was perfect. In yes. Them last so year. I like the fact that those games are at home. You yes. get Arizona State in Provo. Yep. You're getting Bronco and Virginia in Provo. I think that is one of those things that can certainly help BYU 100%. get to that eight and getting three of the five. And then if maybe it's four of the and five maybe it's four of five. Yeah. You know, but I think everybody, if you win three of those five, I think people are going to be what, ecstatic. What are they, what with are they that. going to do? Are they going to pull a Knicks? I, I tweeted last night because Knicks fans won a playoff game and were freaking out outside the garden. And uh, <laughs> I tweeted, if BYU beats Utah, that's what Bravo's going to look like. And someone, someone said, fixed it, and said, when BYU beats Utah. Whenever that that's happens. That's yes. right? September 11th. Whenever that streak is ended, they hopefully it's this year. Yeah. But whenever it is, the, per- the party that BYU fans will have when that stupid streak is finally snapped <laughs> Is going to be glorious. There I'm going to be, be right. So much. I am going to be right in the middle of it. Yes, you will. I will lose my voice again <laughs> the next day. When BYU beat Oklahoma, I had just graduated, and you know University Avenue at Seventh North and University Avenue, the light would go red on University Avenue North and South, and then people would boo. Two hundred people would come into the middle of the street, <laughs> jump up and down, and then scatter. Yeah. like rats. Then everyone wow. sort of pushed up. To Lavelle Edward Stadium, and no one knew what to do. It was unorganized. It was just loud noises and just craziness, and it was exciting. This morning, Big Game Boom, Boomer tweeted out the top 20 schools with the best and worst bar scenes. BYU was number one on the worst bar scene list. So that's another championship. Hang a banner. How is Utah that's- six in that and BYU's one? But anyway, <laughs> apparently Wake Forest, Baylor, Stanford, and Clemson have a worse bar scene than Salt Lake City. Uh, it, the good news about the seven wins thing is we rarely see fewer, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Since 2005, the first year of Bronco Manor, BYU has had two sub-seven win seasons, so it doesn't really happen very often. Six and six that year, and then 2017, of course, four and nine, in a bottom. Besides that, BYU wins seven. Like, but... Seven power fives. But we saw how exciting 11 wins was this last year. When there's no power fives, it's a little easier. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. The South Point Sportsbook released its early lines on some college football games of the year, including in that list five BYU games. So we're going to decide if we think the lines are too high or too low, presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Let's start with, as Gunnar Romney mentioned, that team up north, Utah at BYU. BYU is a seven-point underdog. Too high, too low, or just right? Um, look, I... I, we know that these games are always close with the exception, very few exceptions, and they're all within a touchdown. I, I, it's probably accurate. I'll, I'll, say it's, I'll say it's just right. Seven's fine, although I'm interested to see Utah because last year wasn't a great year for the Utes. But There's a lot of question marks really for both teams. Mailed it in. Both are looking at quarterbacks. 
Yeah, there there are question marks for BYU. There are not question marks. Uh, running backs, uh, O line, we kind of know who's going to fill in there. Receivers, quarterback, we know which of we don't know which of the three, but we know those three, right? Um, defensively in the secondary, yes. Linebacker, no. D line, yeah, we kind of we kind of know. Um, so BYU is going to be good. It's just how good, and will BYU in the streak? Uh, I think seven's a fair number. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm fine. Yeah, it's not. It's not egregious in my I go opinion. just right. Seven. Yep. All right. Uh, Arizona State at BYU. Cougars opening up as a six-point underdog. Your thoughts? Too high. I'd go like three and a half or four on this one. Arizona State's been good, but they're, they're expected to be way better. Uh, but Arizona State, Arizona, it's the same story typically. Sometimes they have an eight-win season. Most of the time they don't actually do anything that matters. Yeah, I think it's too high. Look, I understand that Herm plays to win the game. <laughs> yes, uh, but I, I think the six-point uh, that they are giving the Sun Devils is is a bit high at home. Yeah, and there will be a lot of Cougar fans of that game. Absolutely. Abs- in Tempe, forget about it. Uh, BYU at Baylor, the Jeff Grimes Bowl. Uh, Cougars, a one-point dog. Um, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm a little surprised that BYU – I thought it would be a little too low. Is that right? Like, I thought it would be a bigger spread. You thought it would be higher. Yeah, I thought, yeah. I thought it would be a, a little bit higher, especially because you're going there. Yeah. So I, but, ba- I mean, Baylor's look, not been – Yeah. Like, two years ago, I had a really nice year. I, I, look, I'm not saying BYU can't win the game. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. I, I'm just surprised that – Jason Shepard says BYU the, cannot the, win at Baylor. The Bears are only favored by a point. I think that speaks very highly of BYU. Yeah, I'd go pick them on this. Baylor's pretty unknown, especially with the new offensive coordinator and the new O-line coach, who we happen to know. All right, Virginia at BYU. There may be a few eyeballs on this one. It's a pick 'em. Too high or too low? BYU should be a favorite in this one. Uh, Virginia two years ago went to the Orange Bowl, right? Last year kind of struggled, you know, about 500. I I think BYU should be uh, a favorite in this one. They think highly, Vegas thinks highly of Virginia. Yes. Slash, when you lose Zach Wilson and 12 other dudes to the NFL, certainly there's an expectation that you're not going to be the same. Does anyone think BYU is going to win 11 games this year? No. I, I'm hoping BYU wins eight. Well, uh, I do believe that BYU should be favored in this as well. The good thing is at least we know that Virginia won't be circling this game. There won't be anything, you know, because they look at the games. Every game is the same. So they won't. They won't Absolutely. Come, they won't come in, and it NC won't be stayed and wake. It won't be. Totally it won't be anything. You know, on top of any of the normal games, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, look, I. I. This is going to be a fun one. I'm really looking forward to this one. I do believe BYU should be favored in this game. Mark Atawaya, Garrett Tuje, Robert and I, Jason Beck. You know, all these guys. Uh, it's going to be a really fun uh, reunion with them in Provo. Um, Against Virginia. I mean, this is the game that Bronco has said he didn't want to play. So, here we are. Yes. We're gonna I'm have a, really we're looking have a forward to this game. game in Charlottesville coming up. Is it next year or the year after that? Okay, and last but not least, BYU at USC. This is a team that BYU defeated in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of turnover, obviously. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker was a guard in that game for USC. Now team double Zach Wilson with yep. the Jets. BYU a 13-point dog. Too high, too low. I kind of expected it to be right around 10. Mm. Um, I, I think it may be a little high, but I, not, not to the point where I, I can't believe that they have yeah. BYU as a 13-point dog. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's probably, it's probably about right. But again, going, high. I, 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 I went in assuming it would be about 10. Yeah, I mean, it's typical USC. You look at this matchup in Vegas, is going to you know, chew up uh, BYU in this one and have USC pretty high. I, I get that. The last meeting BYU won the game. 
Uh, no Zach Wilson. I understand that. Keaton Slovis is expected to make a giant leap. Yes. Two years ago, led the country in completion percentage as a freshman after that season in which BYU uh, defeated Keaton Slovis in USC. So 13 feels high. Yeah. I'd, I don't I'd, expect it to stay. Th- Let's remember, I'd, these are opening lines. Right. I'd do a two score game in this. So you could go anywhere from 8 to 13, and I'd probably be like, yeah, probably. 13 feels a little high, but we- we'll see what happens. They didn't. Uh, shockingly, didn't come out with the BYU-Idaho State line live on BYU TV uh, coming up later in November. But, How dare they? Yeah, but uh, I'm pretty sure that one's going to be like a, a 30-pointer. But yeah, five lines out. I love it. BYU not a favorite in a single one of those, which is interesting. The nation, listen, when you lose a quarterback, especially in the top five, you're expected to just take a dip. BYU will take a dip, but I don't think it's going to be like... They're not going to fall off the map. 50-50 game with Virginia. Like, I still think BYU wins this, that This game. just, to me, it's the opening, it's opening line. Where's the Washington State this line? Is, this Come is on. everybody that realizes what they lost and really doesn't know much about BYU right now. Yeah. That's what this is to me. Yeah. I, I'm not going to put you too much stock in it today. BYU brings back, you watch and listen to this program. That's right. We know that they do. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Bleacher Report says the BYU running backs are fifth best in the country. How about that? It's awesome. Are the BYU running backs better than we are giving them credit? Probably. Um, look, we think the running – and this, this is not saying that we don't believe that the BYU running backs are going to be good because I think we've mentioned many, many times on this show that we do. I think we expect them to be very good and led by Tyler Algier. But all of these offseason rankings make me stop and think a little bit because, because of where we are, sometimes I think we can overhype the team uh, or – Really? <laughs> or you think, you a, think a specific, that can happen? A specific sure player <laughs> or a position. But it can also work the other way. Sometimes we're so close that we that we don't want to say overhype and look too blue goggled yeah. that maybe we don't give them the credit that they deserve. Or sometimes you can be so close to it that you're like, well, this is what I'm seeing, but Am I too close to it? So well, you almost that happened with Zach Wilson. You almost kind of second guess yourself a little bit. So, but look, the running backs have a chance to be very, very good. And beyond Algier and Katoa, yes, they are unproven in terms of guys like Jackson McChesney and Hinkley Rapati who are coming back from injuries, but the talent is there. So are we probably underestimating them? Yeah, a little bit, but I, that doesn't mean that we don't expect them to be very, very good and probably take much more of a a bigger role than what we saw last year, at least I, I'm assuming that going in with, with there being some questions at quarterback right now. But those receivers are loaded, man. I and, agree. And we expect the O-line to be good. Will it be as good as last year? That would be pretty impressive. Uh, can they approximate it? That's the question. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think BYU's running backs are very talented. This is a nice room. Tyler Algier, obviously always good to return a 1,000-yard rusher. What he did last year was silly in terms of his yards per carry, like 7.5, second best in BYU history to Luke Staley's 2001, where he had 8.1, which is insane, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Pro Football Focus has Tyler Algier as the highest-graded college football running back, returning in 2021, by the way, with a grade of 92. With a, and by the way, a minimum of 50 it, carries. Yes. 
with would, a minimum of 50 characters. I would have taken a grade of 92 in any class at BYU. <laughs> um, there are a lot of classes I wish I could go back and get a 92. That's that's incredible. Like Tyler Algier, and that's our question of the day, which we'll get to in a minute. Is Tyler Algier the best player on the BYU football team right now? It's interesting because he's probably the biggest name. When you have a skill position player that had a thousand yards as a receiver or running back, and you don't return the quarterback, that guy will be at the forefront. Like if if Gunnar Romney has a thousand yards this year and he's back for a senior season, he'll be the face or or the second face of the program. That's what happens when you get to four digits like that. I like the group, like you said. Are they the fifth best in the country? I don't think they're the fifth best in the country, but, that, but what if they're the 13th, you know, I, realistically or something? Um, Tyler Algier, 1,000-yard rusher, he's awesome. We know that. Lopini Katoa, dual threat, really good out of the backfield, yes. highlighted by his amazing diving catch in the Boca Raton Bowl. Hinkley Ropati, unproven, but jacked, <laughs> according to that one picture in spring ball. Um, you know, tore his ACL uh, in the fall. Jackson McChesney, 228 yards in a game. Granted, it was against a high school named UMass, but it was awesome. Um, and then Sione Fino had 11 for 89 and a touchdown against Boise State yes. as the third or fourth string guy in a massive game when BYU was 2-4 and four against a top 15 team and won that game, essentially saving Kalani Sataki's job probably. There are five guys where I go, I like them. I don't know a ton about Hinkley Ropati. But I'm excited about him because I know the coaching staff was thinking he was kind of in the mix for the third running back last year. So that's exciting. The difference this year will be, okay, it's not Louisiana Tech and Troy consistently. It is a Power 5 program that BYU matches up with in many instances. But that's a very different type of athlete you're going up against. So, um, and there's no Brady Christensen. There's no Tristan Hodge. There's no Chain and Herring. But I really like the guys that are plugging in there, Blake Freeland and Harris Lachance, and you know your return Clark Barrington, James Empey, yeah. Joe Tukwafu, and these guys. So it, on the O line, it's exciting. Are they the fifth best in the country? I think that's high, but that's okay. Um, you know, maybe maybe they prove us wrong, and they are the fifth best in the country. But I would take a top twenty-five running backs group for BYU to get to a eight-win mark or better. I, I, I love it, and look. At least right now, there's a clear pecking order in terms of the running backs. It's Tyler Algier and it's Lopini. The others are unproven. Yes, at, at, which that'll be fun to watch. But, but, here, but here's, the, here's the interesting part, though. Like, we're talking about five guys that we really, really like. Mm, five guys. That's not what I meant, but now that you've got me thinking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but can, do, you, do we really want five guys to be playing? No, five guys won't play. So that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. so with a pecking but I order, want the competition, correct. Yeah. But so, so there's going to be some of these really talented guys that are probably not going to play because you don't want to be playing five guys. Look, if you're playing five guys, unfortunately, it's probably because there were some injuries or something happened, which we certainly do not want to but happen. I want, yeah, I want five because if you need them, yes, you, have you them. want to have them ready to go and that they're there. So when you look at the overall room. Yeah, I really, really like, from top to bottom, I love the talent that's in there. In reality, you're probably going to have two or three of them that actually see significant time. Yeah, two and a half, right? Yeah, right. two or three. Um, and Miles Davis continues to evolve as a trumpet player and a running back. <laughs> Very exciting for BYU. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio.
This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. This is Coach Cody Fieger on the Desert First Credit Union Hotline. Cody, welcome to the program. We're wondering why you aren't on an iceberg like Mark Pope. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what he's doing up there, but uh, I think he should be coming back here soon. That, that's Mark Pope's <laughs> life, right? That, that statement? That, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I don't expect any, anything different, right? Cody, do you guys carry flags with you at all times? So if at any moment you needed to do a video at a, a certain location, you have a flag to do it with? <laughs> no, uh, I've never carried a flag with me before. So, no, I, I, I think that's just Coach Pope for sure. <laughs> Listen, Mark's going to mark. His personality was on full display in that. And, and it was fun um, as, as he takes a little vacation time. Who knows? Maybe there's someone in the transfer portal in Alaska or something he, he needs to visit. But the next Trajan Langdon or something, you know. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, last week the big news with BYU Hoops was Tijon Lucas signs, a Milwaukee guy. Uh, we had him on the program. He was fantastic. He said you emailed him two minutes after he entered the portal. So do you sit in the portal sometimes and then see a guy and then and then click away? Is that how it works? No, just like every once in a while, like a couple times a day, I'll just hit refresh um, and a name will pop up. And, and um, one time I just, at, at the luck of the draw, his name just popped up after I hit refresh and I had his number from uh, before when I recruited him a little at Utah Valley. So I had all this family and all their all their numbers before so uh um i was able to get in contact with them right away and uh he answered the phone and and then uh coach pope and the whole staff we jumped up jumped uh, all over it with them that's interesting so walk me through what it's like on guys you miss on that maybe you get a second shot at later like you just said where okay you Yes, you miss on a guy now, but you may land him later, especially with the one-time transfer rule exception. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because um, never would think a guy would transfer twice, you know. So, you know, it's just you try to build a great relationship um, throughout the whole time you first start recruiting them. And, you know, if they, they choose another place, you just wish them luck and – you're, you know, tell them that you're cheering for them. And then down the line, maybe if they jump in the portal again, maybe, maybe you can start recruiting them. But, but it's just, it, it's rare that, that, that happens. Coach, when, when Tijon was on the show, he talked about his game, how he felt he fit with this team. And he also mentioned that that's one of the selling points from you guys as a coaching staff, that you were constantly letting him know how he would fit into your system. Give our listeners and our viewers an idea of how you see him fitting into what you guys want to do. Yeah, we, we, we see him very similar to um, Brandon Avery. Who's walking Sorry. into your office? <laughs> that's, that's Burge. Yeah. Tell Coach Burge. <laughs> say, what's up? Have him say hi. Chris, if you're going to interrupt, at least show up on camera. He walked out already, guys. Oh you, got, you, got, you heard you guys talking. You got nervous. Um, so yeah, yeah, T. John, um, you know, very similar to Brandon Abert's role. Um, he's a dynamic playmaker. Um, somebody can really help help uh, run our offense. Um, you know, he, he's just somebody that can really help help the ball move. Um, loves to make the right play. Um, he can score it at times. Um, oh yeah, here, here's here's Bird jumping. I asked him to walk back. What's there up? he is. What's up, Chris? What's up, fellas? I didn't know Cody was live. 
Hey, I love the vi- I love the video of your uh, your Trevor, your kid doing the Trevor Bauer man. That was pretty good. Hey, it's at like thirty three thousand views. He's so high, oh. but little brother's not happy. Oh, you're you're gonna need to post something for the rest of the kids, little otherwise there's gonna be some yeah. tension. That's funny. I, I, I do. Anyway, my fault. Sorry. <laughs> hey, hey, it's a two for one interview it's today. A, it's a two for one. <laughs> yeah. So, Cody, you you were telling us about Tijon's, uh, you know, what he can add to the team this year. Do do you anticipate? Obviously, as a senior, like he's going to have to earn a starting role, but uh, it, certainly that's a strong possibility, right? Yeah, we 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 uh, think that he's going to have huge impact on this roster and on this team. I mean, he's a he's a six year. Uh, it's going to be a sixth year in college, and uh, he's kind of been been through it all, right? He was in the Big Ten in the Horizon League, um, started a lot of games in the Big Ten, and and obviously he was an All League guy in the Horizon. So he's got tons of experience. Um, he knows what winning what winning is all about, and that's one of the main reasons he wanted to come here. Um, and he just saw like. You know, he's just really excited to be at BYU. Just there's a lot of great things going on here. And, and um, yeah, he's part of, excited to be a part of this thing. Cody, I know you guys are not in control of who says yes and who says no, but in terms of continual pursuit, how much more active do you guys expect to be in the transfer portal in terms of pursuing others? Um, you know, we're, we're looking at the transfer portal. We got one kind of one or two we're kind of playing with right now just to kind of see – See, we're only going to take somebody if it's it's a uh, for sure going to uh, help us take uh, another big step in this program. Um, so we're just we're just trying to find the right fit, uh, the right guy right now. Um, but we're, we're taking our time um, just to make sure it's it's the right guy and exactly what we need. And um, you know, we'll, we'll fit for this team and Coach Pope because we want to keep you know some of the things that are really important to us with best locker room in America and the guys that want to get better every single day. So that, that's really important. Um, and, you know, those are our pitches with, with all these guys. What role does Alex Barcelo's impending decision to come back or not play in what you're doing in the transfer portal? And when do you expect to hear from Alex either way? Um, you know, Alex is kind of taking his time and, 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 you know, kind of figuring out every, everything he wants to do, looking at every scenario. Um, and obviously it would be a huge, huge deal. Um, uh, this scholarship, just making sure we get the right guy. Um, um, so, so we're not rushing anything. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not rushing Alex. We want him to take his time. And, and at the end of the day, we want what's best for him. You know, we, we want him to decide on his time and, and decide what's best for him at the end of the day. And to be clear, our understanding is because he'd be kind of this COVID exception, his scholarship would not, if, if Alex decides to come back, his scholarship would not count against the 13, right? Correct. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we would have, you know, if he came back, then we'd have 14 scholarships, I think. Coach, obviously every year there's going to be some differences from one year to the next, and you're going to make tweaks here and there. How different do you expect this upcoming season, this that team to be compared to last year, whether it's from a schematic standpoint, um, rotation, things? Like, how, how, much, how much of a difference should fans expect from last year to this year? You see a lot of changes? Um, yeah, you know, I think there's going to be some changes with how we defend, you know, um, with Matt Harms leaving. Obviously, we'll have to change a little bit defensively and what we're doing um, just because he was so uh, such a good rim protector. We kept him at the rim basically at all times. So we'll have to change a little bit what we're doing there. 
Um, and then offensively, you know, we're just going to put, you know, whatever, whatever five guys, um, you know, with this roster that, you know, we'll just put them in the best situations that we can, you know, it took, took us a little while with this last year's team to figure out the best, best way to make these guys successful offensively. Um, you know, and we didn't, we didn't get a lot of time during the summer last summer to, to work with these guys. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll get this roster situated and be able to spend a little bit more time um, with this year's team and just kind of helping these guys. But we're expecting a, a big jump from, from a lot of the guys that are for sure returning, right? You know, uh, Gideon George, Caleb Lohner, uh, Spencer Johnson, Trevin Nell. I mean, I can go down the list on all these guys that we expect a huge, huge jump from. Um, Hunter Erickson's been working his tail off. Um, obviously Richard Harwood, right? There's, there's a lot of guys that are coming back and kind of know the system, kind of know what coach Pope wants. Um, and then we'll, we'll see who else we pick up, um, figure out exactly where T John fits and, and kind of go from there. John Rothstein tweeted the following, wanted to get your opinion on it. Sources, uh, multiple mid-major programs are opting to not play guaranteed games against high-major programs because it gives power conference teams a free live evaluation of future players who could move up via the transfer portal. What's your opinion on that idea? I mean, uh, that's uh, uh, that makes no sense to me because um, everybody wants to play. Um, so I, I, I don't know where John's going with that one, <laughs> you know. Um, he should just go back to his usually uh, his usual uh, tweet is stay positive, test negative. Yeah, I don't know what, what that <laughs> life is about. a gift. I think that's another one that's every day, right? Yeah. yeah. So that, <laughs> in other words, you guys aren't going to schedule differently because of the transfer portal now. No, no. We, we want to play. We want to play the best. We we want to. That's not changing anything. And yeah, I, I I don't know where why he would tweet something like that because that that doesn't make a lot of sense everybody wants to play and um i don't know why randy I mean, bennett you... told him that no i'm just playing i'm just playing man. <laughs> i'm just kidding it really, yeah it just doesn't make make much sense on, uh, on my end well and there's no question that the transfer portal has changed you know collegiate sports there's no question about it i mean it's obvious in terms of how you guys view things and and you guys as a staff have been you know, very, very active, whether it's here at BYU, at Utah Valley, in the transfer portal. On glaciers. Yeah, on glaciers, waving flags. Uh, but do you guys view it, and, and by that I mean recruiting and the program, do you view it as long-term as maybe it used to be? Or is the program more on a year-to-year or maybe an every-two-year thing because there can be so much change with the transfer portal? Yeah, I think it's more year-to-year right now. Um, just with how everything's going, you know, I think they're going to make more changes to the transfer deal next year or sometime in January or something. Um, but it's, 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 um, a fluid situation every year. I I think it's going to be looked at every single year where we got to just put the best team on the floor every single year. Um, obviously we'll have some, some four year guys for sure. Um, but, but this year, but this, this, college basketball as of right now where it is it's it's an every year thing that's that's going to be roster turnover for i mean you look at it with everybody i think every team's averaging about four or five transfers this year so it's going to be interesting see if it changes anymore but but right now we're planning on you know every year we just got to put our best best foot forward our best roster what changes are you alluding to in january with the transfer portal 
Oh, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if they're going to make changes to graduate, you know, transfers or, you know, this one-time exception rule. I, I don't know what gotcha. they're going to, what they're going to change, but, I, but I, you know, last, last week, the NCAA came out with something that they weren't going to make any changes uh, this, this last week, just because everyone was jumping in the transfer portal with the ex, with the expectation of what was going on right now. So they didn't want to change stuff this summer. So I can see changes happening maybe in January or November, or who, who knows when, when the NCAA will want to make some changes to it. Gotcha. And, and uh, last, qu- last question real quick. How's Gavin Baxter's recovery from injury coming along? It's great. He, he's in the weight room right now. Um, he's been on the floor a ton. You know, I, I think in the next month or so he'll be he'll be running around a little bit more. But but he looks great. His he's got you know he's got a great work ethic and he he's been awesome. So um, we're we're excited to get him back on the court here. Well, that sounds great. Um, one one suggestion, maybe something on your door. Hey, I've got a BYSN interview. Chris, please don't come in. Um, <laughs> don't even knock. You know, d- just an idea. And also, congratulations to your wife on winning yes. Teacher of the Year. Yes, uh, at her school. You posted that the other day. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's her second time in five years. Oh, whoa! Two-time winner. She's been killing it. She, uh, she, she loves what she does, and she's way better at her job than I am at mine. So, well, well BYUSN will have to name the men's basketball assistant coach of the year, and we'll perhaps you, you know you're one of the three. We'll figure it out. Okay, <laughs> Cody, we appreciate it. <laughs> yes, you do. Like me from three. Thanks, Cody. That's right. Cody Finger on the uh, Desert First Credit Union Hotline. Desert First, you know why. We show how. Don't just bypass the 33% from three. <laughs> You're right. It's probably 25%. <laughs> He's great. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week. Here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. UA football against Arizona in the season opener in Cougar Stadium South, as Brian Keel once called it, even though it is Lavelle Edwards Stadium, but that's okay. Allegiant Stadium coming up in how many days again? Hit it! Countdown to the Wildcats! 103! Okay, so Thursday we hit a hundy. That was nice. Uh, Dave McCann did not want to join in on the countdown singing. Shocked. On Monday. Blaine, however, Blaine, Blaine harmonize. Blaine likes to harmonize. He, he thinks it's a boys to men concert. Yeah. If Blaine could just sing the whole show, I think he would. The, the look Extremely on Dave's face talented. when he realized singing was involved was great. <laughs> it's like, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> Nobody said singing was it's, involved. It, Danny Glover, I'm getting too old for this. Uh, Friday, BYU football yes. announced, as we mentioned, full stadium capacity this fall, which is just fantastic. What's your reaction to this news? I, I loved it, and... Look, there's, there's a lot of reasons that I loved it. N- number one, because you get back to, and, and this, this term is used a lot, and I'm kind of getting, it's getting overused, getting back to normalcy. It just, for some reason, there's something that seems odd about that phrase to me. It's a restoration. Yeah, but, but it, yes, it, I was excited because we're getting closer to that. And the more things that can remind us of the way things used to be before all of this craziness, that there is a comfort to that. But it also is sort of this uh, invigorating feeling that we're coming out of a very, very difficult last year. So those are all things that, that came into my mind. I love the fact that we're at a point where you can make this type of announcement. That is a, certainly a very... Um, 
positive sign. I just love the fact that that everybody's going to be able to be back in the stadium and watching this. We're starting to see, you know, all of these, whether it's Major League Baseball, you know, last night on Sunday Night Baseball, even though my Cardinals lost. Really? You're bringing up Sunday Night Baseball? No, but what yesterday? I'm saying is... There were four playoff games, I eight over the weekend. I was getting there. And golf! I was getting there. Yeah, baseball with everybody hopefully getting closer to full capacity within the next month. You had the NBA playoffs with most of the arenas full, with the exception of the game in L.A. over the weekend. How about MSG, and, by the yeah, way? It, it looks New, great. New York, it's been tough in New York. To have a packed stadium, not a ton of masks, yes. was quite the sight. I, I just, I loved seeing it, and it was almost to the point where, even though it's only been a year, it's still amazing to me how strange it looks. Because we've, we've spent all our lives with that being yeah. normal. But over the last year... In one year's time, it's made seeing that weird looking. And it will have been 18 months from when the pandemic started to when BYU plays Utah. Yeah. I mean, 18 months, the longest 18 months of our lives. Yeah, and I'm with you. It, uh, what an exciting announcement yes. that obviously that is somewhat conditional, but the way that the numbers are trending uh, and the vaccination, whatnot, everything, we're, we're coming out of it. Like, I, I had this feeling yesterday uh, and Friday when this was announced that was like, oh, it's over. The attendance issues is over. Like, the NBA is coming back. Major League Baseball, like you mentioned. What happened with Phil Mickelson at the PGA Championship yesterday on night 18 with all those people, that was, spe- that was a special sight uh, because it was a visual reminder of, oh, my gosh, look where we've come from. And now we're going to be able to do this because uh, we're, we're, we're doing it right. And in the state of Utah, things are going really well, which is great. Hopefully it goes well everywhere. And uh, we go from there. We have a full stadium, and it's BYU in Utah, and it's going to be an amazing experience. It's, we're, you're going to feel something special. When it's BYU in Utah, it's always special. But you're going to feel something special in that stadium because of what we've had to go through as a people. Well, and it's not just, as we mentioned in headlines, it's not just full capacity. It's getting back to things like tailgating. You know, and you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming— One could argue that's still being worked on well, at BYU. I, I'm, I'm There's a, a faithful group that does it, but it's— I, 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 I'm going to assume something along the lines of Cougar Canyon like we had, you know, two years ago. I would hope so. Yeah, I mean, that, that all of that kind of stuff comes back. And that just adds to the pageantry of not just college football, but attending sporting events. It's just yes. part of it. Yes. And it was something that was obviously very much lacking. Look, there are going to be some people that, that are not comfortable coming back, and that's fine. Nobody's saying you have to come back. But enough people want to come back. I'm happy that this has been open to full capacity so those that want to participate can come and enjoy this. Yeah, a- amen. Uh, those that want to be there can, uh, can be there and that opportunity to be there, yep. which is super exciting. The juxtaposition of what you just said in, in headline one is really interesting. Pro Football Focus ranked all 130 teams, put BYU at 22. Okay. And then DraftKings says over under six and a half wins. What's going to be closer to the truth, Jason? This is one of those (laughs) topics that on May 25th, we do not have all the answers. We're not supposed to know on May 25th which one of these is more accurate. I will say this. I do expect BYU to be better than six and a half. I think BYU How much will, better? Well, that, that right now remains to be seen because it's still too early. But I do think they win at least seven games. I do, ex- I do if, think that. If BYU doesn't win seven games, it's going to be a massive disappointment. Well, uh, look, it's going to be a massive disappointment because there are going to be people that are going to expect 11 wins again. 
They're not going to care. No rational BYU fan expects that. I'm telling you right now, it's, it will happen. There will be people that will be upset if all BYU does this year is win eight or nine games. They will be upset. These people don't watch the program and know my opinion. <laughs> so, but, of the but, reality of the situation, of what history but has my, told My us. point is, I do expect them to be better than the six and a half. So I think they are, they are the over. So in terms of DraftKings, I, I don't agree with DraftKings. Do I think they're also the 22nd? Do you think the line should be higher? No, I'm just... Set higher? I, I, I do. Well, yeah, I think it should be seven. I think you should, should start at seven. seven. Start at seven. Okay. Um, but I also don't think that right now they're the 22nd best team in the country. No way. Yeah, so no. I, I disagree with what P, uh, Pro Football Focus did. A- again, it's so early. We don't even know who the quarterback is. We don't know who... Yes, we do. It's Jernhill. <laughs> we don't know. Some of these playmaking receivers who are going to play just a massive role in this offense just got onto campus. Who's going who's gonna to be that guy on the defensive line to take over? You just lost right, your best offensive lineman to the NFL. So there are so many questions. I, I, I don't necessarily agree with either Pro Football Focus or DraftKings. I, I do think this team is being overlooked. Ultimately, I think that they are going to be better because I think everybody on the outside looking at look and it's our stained lyric. And no, it is our job to know more about this program than people on the outside. That's that's what we our jobs are. So we're going to have a better idea in terms of somebody just on the outside looking in. This is, oh, well, they lost Zach Wilson and they lost Brady Christensen and they lost Kyrus Tonga and Dax Mill. We know what's here but it's still unproven. So on May 25th, which one's more accurate? I, I, I can't tell you. It's just too early. But I don't agree with either one, really. Yeah, and, and I'm with you. is probably an eight-win team is what the hope is. If BYU wins seven, and, and you know, the other day I said to Spencer on the air, I don't really like uh, you know, postulating on a bowl game when I don't know the opponent, but we know it's Conference USA and the Independence Bowl. Get excited. Uh, that's hopefully a win. BYU should be a favorite in that game, right? Um, barring like a 10-win Conference USA team against a 6-win BYU team or something. But is going to play seven Power Fives in Boise State. This is going to be a, a tough haul, right? Yes, is not a top 25 preseason team. When you don't return the quarterback and who was the number two pick and you lose 13 guys, you should be expected to rebuild. But in BYU's case, the hope is... That yes, it's not com- going to be eleven wins, but hopefully it's eight wins in the regular season. Even against seven power fives, yes. that would be significant. Absolutely, I would. I agree that the line should be set at six and a half. I think that's fair given the schedule and who BYU lost. Um, again, that's not what I think BYU will do, but I think that's a fair assessment of where the line should be. Seven regular season wins and a bowl win gets you to eight. I think that's a nice season given how tough the schedule is and who you lost. But it's interesting to look at. PFF's 130 as well, because there is only one team ranked ahead of BYU on its schedule, which is weird. It's, right. U- it's USC. Yes. It's USC, who's 16th. Utah 26, Arizona State at 33. Arizona State's overrated to me, 33. Okay. Uh, Boise State 39. They're expecting a jump from the uh, Broncos. Um, there it is, right? And then BYU is ranked higher than everybody else. I think that's too high. BYU's probably somewhere in the middle, right? There should be. I would probably put BYU after Arizona State at the moment, and maybe even behind Boise State. Oh, they won the It's not last year's team. It's this year's team. Just going into the season. And then you look at the uh, over-under win totals from DraftKings as well. Arizona, two and a half. 
BYU better win that game if that's the, if that's the number. Utah eight and a half. Obviously, Utah expected to compete in the Pac-12 every year now. Charlie Brewer or Cam Rising at quarterback. You have a Baylor or a Texas, uh, you know, transfer. Utah's going to be good when they actually have an offense. They're really, really good. They always have a defense. Arizona State. Jaden Daniels nine wins over under. So young young group. Herm Edwards. What year three? They're expected to take a leap. I don't necessarily buy in uh, quite yet. South Florida, three wins over under. Woof. They're supposed to stink. That should be a win. <laughs> Utah State, three. Boise State, nine. That's a big number. Baylor, five and a half. So that's like a pick em, right? Um, Washington State, six. Virginia, six. Georgia Southern, four and a half. USC, nine. I see six, seven wins on there, right? Um, there are a couple, though, that will be a challenge. Obviously, USC at the end of the year is going to be a challenge. Utah, Arizona State, Boise State. Baylor, Wazoo, Virginia are interesting as well. Like I could see BYU going two and one in those, but I could also see, hey, if Washington State's better under Nick Rolovich than we thought in year two, then so it's going to be interesting. But it's certainly a reality check from last year, where there's no Power Fives to seven Power Fives, and then all that talent to we think this team's talented, but like you said. We still need to see Puka Nakua in a BYU uniform catching touchdowns. It's going to happen. Yes. It's just, is it, is it five touchdowns or is it ten touchdowns? Right? Look, trying to put weight into something this early, it's, it's there for entertainment purposes. It's there to just see it, Jason, enjoy, and talk what, about it. That's what this program that's my, is. That's baby. my point. We're doing this. We've been asked to fill five hours a week Because it's content <laughs> regarding BYU in May. Oh, yeah, baby. So that's why we're doing this. Do you put stock in it? No. Because, I, put, I put stock in it. I, okay, how much is the? I guess six and a half. Zero. I, putting zero stock in it is yeah. is not correct. Yeah. But I'm saying you cannot weigh this heavily on how the season will play in May. Now, if this if this sure. were to come out at the beginning of fall camp, or if this comes out two weeks before after you actually see some what, of this stuff, what's then it to, holds more weight. Why? What's going to change between now and fall camp? Well, you're going to know who some of the. You're going to know who your quarterback is. You're going Between to have, now and the start of fall camp? No, we won't. No, I'm talking about once fall camp starts. Uh, it'll be a few weeks. But you're, you're going to have a better idea in a does, month or two. Does the starting quarterback change those numbers to you in I, any way? I think it does. Yes, I do. So if it's Jaron, what changes? Well, I mean, at this if point... If it's Baylor, what changes? If it's Jacob, what changes? I think you, each one has a different skill set. I, th- I think if you're talking... Neeson's set of it's skills. It's a very yeah. particular set of skills. Yeah. I, think if, I think if you're talking about Baylor then the, the mobile aspect isn't involved in this offense. Therefore, what? Is BYU have one less win? Like, what, what does that mean? I think, it, well, I think it takes away a weapon. I think it takes away that aspect that we saw worked so that, well last year. So half a win goes away? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. With but three, what with, I'm saying is you're wanting to put too much stock in it today no, 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 that it answers amount. all the questions, no. and it, it doesn't answer the questions. Just a fair amount. So I, I just think it's, it's to have a fun conversation today – I'm not putting stock into whether BYU is number 22 on May 25th or that they're going to have sub-700 wins this year. I'm just not ready to believe that anybody knows that today. Yeah, no one knows anything. We're all guessing. I mean, that's just kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, PFF, so top 130, BYU 22nd, which uh, is too high, we agree. And then uh, DraftKings says six and a half wins. So I, I, I do think six and a half is a fair starting point. If someone goes seven and a half, I'm like, ah, it's a little high for me, given the seven power fives on the schedule. 
And and like we've talked about, and Spencer has said this too, where it's like, well, I like the distribution of the Power Fives within this. I do too. I just don't want too many of them. Because if there's too many, it's just historically BYU wins 40% of them. And so it's like, well, shoot, there's seven. So that's three and four. Two and five, hopefully not. Hopefully it's four and three. Hopefully it's four and three. <laughs> if it's better than that, wow. Wow. Given all the uh, talent BYU lost, that's crazy. But we do know that the first game is coming up September 4th. Yeah. Hit it. Countdown to the Wildcats. 102. 102. And two is uh, two and a half. You know, the over-under for Arizona. Arizona's going to stink, DraftKings thinks. They're going to be terrible. Do you realize? PFF, 100. Do you realize Friday we're going to be? Thursday, right? Today's only Tuesday. You're right. Thursday. It's been a long week already. Yes. I keep thinking today's Wednesday. Here's why. You just bought Jazz Laugh tickets. <laughs> I did just, but... but uh, I, You're excited! I, no, no, no. I have felt a day ahead this entire week since Monday. Looking forward to... No, no, no. I had not two. bought the tickets and hadn't even thought about buying the tickets then. No, no, no. Looking forward to game two. But yes, I am looking forward to it. Yes. But, but that's not... Because Donovan Mitchell's actually <laughs> going not, to play. That's not why. Uh, yes. But you're right. So Thursday, we're in... We're in 99. No, Thursday's 100. So, okay, so I was right then! You Friday said, is going to be under 100. Oh, sorry. I didn't let you finish. You're right. 99. Again. Friday. Again. But you're putting too much stock into it. <sighs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. And join Gunnar Romney fresh off of, uh, you know, four hours ago, a uh, early morning workout. Gunnar, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing pretty good. How you guys doing up there? We're good. We didn't have to work out at uh, 6 a.m., although Jason does a lot. I do not. <laughs> I was there at 5.30, Gunnar. Not the same place you, but yeah. uh, look, we're both athletes. we got to do it, right? <laughs> you got to put in the work any way you can. That's right. He's we'll, much more of an we'll athlete. We'll debate the both athletes coming up <laughs> later in the program. But, Gunnar, tell us what life is like right now because, obviously, it's been a month since uh, winter semester ended, yet you guys are still uh, working out, getting ready for the season? Yeah, you know, we, we ended spring ball at the end of March. We had a couple weeks off then, but we're back into full workouts right now. We're, uh, you, like I said, six in the morning workouts, offense and defense. Then we, we have voluntary player run practices. And, you know, we're just doing all the offseason work we can with quarterbacks and DVs. And, you know, we're getting it, we're getting it in. Gunnar, obviously the season is going to be here before we know it. Um, one of the cool things is for this season, it was announced on Friday that BYU is going to have full capacity at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. What was your reaction when you heard the news that the fans are going to be back at Lavelle Edwards? I was, I was so excited about it. Um, it's just a different energy when there's fans in the stands. You know, last year we, we kind of joke around, you know, it felt like practices. It felt like scrimmages. And uh, with the fans, it just creates so much more energy, so much more momentum. It's, it's just so much more fun to play, and it's such, such a fun environment. And I can't wait to, you know, get back into Lavelle Edwards with, with uh, 65,000, you know, BYU fans screaming. So it's going to be a good time. And, hey, that first game is game two of the year against Utah on September 11th. So that's, that's going to be a special night, right? Yeah, no, I, that was one game that I was really, you know, trying to get last year, and I was really, really bummed out when we didn't get to play them. But that's, that's one that we've all had marked on our, on our calendars since, you know, the schedule came out. 
And so we're really excited about that one to, you know, play here in front of the home crowd against, against that team up north. Nice. Nice reference. I like Love that. Love it. Runner. That's good. Veteran move. <laughs> so there are some new faces in the wide receiver room. Uh, I'm just curious how that group has, has started to come along. Give everybody an idea of, of how you guys are clicking early on and, and uh, what may be possible for that group this year. Yeah, no, I think this is a really scary receiver group. We have we have so much talent. You know, we had a bunch of transfers coming in and the Nakua brothers. But I think even like some of the younger talent, uh, they're all stepping up right now. So we're, we're deep right now for sure. There's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be contributors. And it's going to be – there's so many weapons across the field, you know, not just in the receivers in the tight end room too. And we have all the running backs. So there's so many skill players on offense that can, that can do damage. And so I think it's going to be really fun. Uh, it's going to be a pretty – pretty high-powered offense for sure well you know Gunnar it's really interesting obviously going into last year there was there was a lot of question like oh look what BYU lost the year before and then you guys came out and had an unbelievable year do you do you just look for that to continue like it has been that it's not it's not rebuild it's about reload Do you feel like that's where the position is at at this point yeah, most definitely. I think even even the guys coming back, I think this offseason has been huge for, for us that have come back. But, you know, some of the younger guys have jumped right in and, you know, we're not going to skip a beat at all. And I think that's how it's going to be for the next couple of years. We have so many young young guys with, with a lot of talent, even though we'll be losing people. And it's, I think it's just going to keep going. And this it's like you said, we're just going to reload. It's not going to be rebuilding. I mean, even before the Nakua's transfer in, I was feeling pretty good about the group, Gunner. Obviously, you taking a step forward, getting healthy. Um, if you play all last year, I think it's a fun debate about you and Dax in terms of who's going to have more catches and yards, right? Um, and Dax mm-hmm. gets drafted, and it's awesome. But Chase Roberts is off a of mission, All-American at a uh, you know, high school. Cody Epps uh, and Keanu Hill are going to get a better look. And Chris Jackson and uh, Cade Moore feels like a guy that's stepping forward. Then the Nakua's come in, and it's like, oh, okay, let's go. We're two or three uh, people deep at every position. So what's, what's that like right now as you guys work out and try and create cohesion as a group? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a position where everybody's fighting to get onto the field right now. There's so many people fighting for, for spots to play. And I think it, that sometimes can cause a divide, but I think everybody's done a great job of it so far, you know, just in the, in the player run practices or in the workouts that we've done so far. Everybody's done a great job of, you know, pushing each other and not really you know, holding those feelings against each other, just kind of making everybody better. Cause in the end, it's about, it's about the team. It's about winning games. And I think when we have all those, all those weapons that are pushing each other, you know, you feel like if I don't perform, then there's, there's someone right here. It, it elevates your game to the highest level. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to, to see how as the season progresses, you know, that, that can go on, you know, as, as people get more experience in, in playing time, how, how that can help us as a, as a receiving group progress. Let's focus on you individually. Last year took a big step forward. How much more of a step forward do you expect from yourself this season? You know, I expect myself to take a huge step. The number one thing for me this year is staying healthy. You know, like, like you were saying, if I would have played all 12, all 12 games last year, um, you know, it, it would have been a lot different for me. But you know, just to, in general, just getting better, getting bigger, faster, stronger, and, you know, working on my technique, you know, watching all my film from last year, seeing what I can do better, seeing, um, you know, the, the little things that I can improve on. I feel like I've already taken a huge step forward, and I feel like I'm already, you know, 10 times better than I was at this point last year. So I'm really excited to see, um, you know, where, where I am at the start of the season, and I'm really excited to, you know, come out and, and prove some of the things that, that I have left to prove. 
Ten times is awesome. I love that idea, and I'm excited to play this season. Last year, Spencer jokingly called you the best receivers between the twos in the country. <laughs> what what's going to be what's going to be the difference in getting into the end zone this year? You know, it's just like you were saying. It's I was one yard short so many times, <laughs> like probably ten or fifteen times last year, and you know, just that that extra little bit. I just need this much more, and uh, and and we'll be there. That's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping to work on this year. So obviously, the quarterback position at BYU is always a topic of discussion, and you 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 have a very unique you know uh, view of this whole thing. Obviously, your brother Baylor is involved in it. You played with Jacob Conover in high school. You know Jaron. This is a very unique quarterback situation for you to watch. Focusing on on Baylor first, how is he handling all of this? You know, like 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 I was saying earlier in the receiver room, how when you have competition, it sort of elevates everybody. It's the same exact thing going on with the quarterback room, and I think each one of them is they're all mature um, beyond beyond their years, and so every single one of them, it's it's kind of the same way they're pushing it. And Baylor Baylor's he's a he's a quiet kid, but he's he's internally competitive. And so it's, you can see him, all of them are just super competitive. All of them want it, want it so bad. And so they're all just working as hard as they can. And, you know, we're, we go out there and we do those workouts with the quarterbacks together and watching each individual one of them um, perform in their own way and compete in their own way. It's, it's really fun to watch. And I'm really excited to see how it goes on throughout the summer and then into fall camp and then into the season. Like, how is it emotionally for you? Is it fun? Is it awkward? Is it great? Because of those connections you already have with those three guys, two of which you've known for a long time, obviously. Yeah, no, it's, it's not awkward at all. I think um, for me, you kind of just have to put, take personal relationships out of it because at the end of the day, I want, I want the best quarterback there is throwing me the ball. I mean, I, I have to be selfish in, in that way. Um, but, you know, watching all, all three of them like, compete, it's, it's cool. I'm, I'm cool with all of them. They're all, all three of them are, I'm really close with. And so I'm excited to see who, who runs away with it for sure. How do you? And so are we. Uh, how do you take the personal part out of it with your brother? Um, it's hard. You just kind of have to turn it off and just be selfish, you know. Uh, when you're on the field, like off the field, where we we go hang out, we go out to dinner, we we do all the brotherly things that you do. But on the field, you know, you you have to be selfish about it. Um, you can't let those those personal feelings come into play. And, much- and I I guess it's hard, but you just have to. How much buddy ball has Aaron Roderick mentioned to you? Because he joked after 2019 when you scored the first brother-to-brother uh, touchdown, hey, that's just buddy ball out there, brothers connecting. Um, you know, I, I don't know, not, not, not too much because I'm close with the other two guys as well. You know, Jacob was my quarterback for two years yeah. in high school. And, you know, Jaron, we've, we've been here for three years together playing. So it's, it's buddy ball with all three of them at this point. Hey, there you go. Well, and look, regardless of who the starting quarterback is, maybe big picture, what, what, is, what is optimal for a receiver in terms of getting that connection? From, from the start of the season, is, is there like an optimal time that the rest of the team would like to have that in terms of feeling comfortable, or does it, does it really matter that much because the, the scheme doesn't necessarily change? Yeah, you know, I think that's a that's an interesting point for sure because you want to know who the quarterback is going to be so you can build relationships with them and build that chemistry. But at the same time, you you don't want to, you know, make the decision too early and 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 call it and, and you know, maybe pick the wrong guy or maybe um the guy you pick gets complacent or something like that. So I think it is it is a balance between that, but 
you know, the, the scheme, I'm, I, I trust our coaches Our coach Roderick has a, has a great scheme. He's a, he's a, he's a genius. He's a football genius. And so I think that will, will ultimately help out whoever it is. And, you know, like I was saying earlier, I have chemistry with all three and all pretty much all the receivers. We, we work together with all the quarterbacks. And so I, I don't think it'll, it'll be too much of a difference, but you know, like you're saying, it's, it's an interesting balance for sure. Yeah, I wonder when in fall camp that will be named. It certainly won't be at the beginning. There'd be at least a week, if not two, and then maybe you have two mm. or three weeks before. I, I'm not exactly sure. And the coaching staff, I know, hasn't necessarily identified that. Perhaps they know that. But whoever the third string is, they might be the best third string in the country, right? <laughs> no, no no question about it, for sure. Any, any one of these guys can go play at any number of schools in the country. One of the fun things about – and it's the byproduct of such a fantastic year last year is BYU was certainly well represented in the NFL draft. Obviously, you know, the number two pick is Zach, and, and we already mentioned the Dax and Kyrus. How much communication have you had with guys like Zach and Dax and those guys that are, that are now living that dream uh, in the National Football League? I've had, I've had a really good amount with, with almost all of them. You know, that's, that's my goal. That's where I want to be at this point next year. And so, you know, just picking their brains about the whole process, just, you know, seeing where they're at in, in their, in their OTAs over there in their spring camps and just how the whole draft process works from, from the time they declared in January to, to right now. And so I think that's, that's something that I've, you know, congratulating with them. Those are my friends. Those are my boys. They'll be my boys for the rest of life, but just at the same time using them to my advantage and learning about that. Okay, you come in as a freshman, uh, you know, with Zach Wilson, and I, I believe his first touchdown pass against Utah State to, uh, to you. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you sat back and thought about just how crazy everything has been from him becoming the number two pick and, and being like a $50, 50 millionaire? I mean, this has been insane. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. We're because it's always been our goal. Like you know, since we both came in as freshmen, we were both talking about this. But even at the beginning of the season, you know, it it, it seemed it seemed kind of far out. And then just seeing as the season progressed, you know, him climbing up on on you know draft boards and stuff like that to him, you know, being projected as the number two overall pick and it actually happening. It seems it seems unreal. You know, we're, we're talking about it with our friends. Like, man, like that kid that we used to live with. You know, he's the number two pick in the NFL. <laughs> like, he's, he's playing for the New York Jets right now. Um, it's it's crazy. You know, like, it's so exciting though. Like, I I love to see all my guys succeed, and so it's it's super awesome. Yeah, it's been incredible. Was it strategic to place Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney's, uh, you know, posters behind you in this interview? I don't know. You got to you got to ask Brett about that one. They, I just showed <laughs> up and they're right behind me, right here, I'm looking for my poster. But it's no, it's nowhere in sight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's yours? No, they look they look great, man. They look great. What's the schedule like, mm-hmm. by the way, the rest of the uh, summer as you lead up to August fall camp? Oh, it's a grind for sure. Like I was saying, we we pretty much have workouts every single day for the rest of summer. Um, and just that the most of most of the work that we do is is just on our own individually. You know, we'll call up all the quarterbacks and all the receivers and the DBs. We'll get one on ones and we'll run seven on seven, and we'll we'll just we'll we'll do that for the whole summer, five or six hours a day. But it's it's a grind. There's there's really no time off because the season's going to be here before we even know it. We we joke about it every single year. It feels like last season just barely ended, but. We're, we're here already. It's going to be here before we know it. So no plans at all for any getaway for just a couple of days? Any vacations at Wait, all? didn't you get engaged? Are you getting married? 
Yeah, well, I'm I'm getting married this summer, but that's that's my that's my big plan. But you know, it's still it's still a grind. Even on the honeymoon, I'm gonna be working out and stuff. So yeah. we got to do that. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Sadie is her name. Sadie, congratulations, man! When are you guys getting married? July 16th is the date. So we're really 16th. excited about that. I look forward to the invite. Yep. To the reception. Thanks, of course, Jeremy. I'll send you guys. I'll send you guys some invites. No, up no, there. no, just me. Just yeah, me. look at Jeremy just asking for the invite <laughs> on national television. Gunner, we're stoked for that and the season. Very excited about that receivers room. Uh, good luck on the workout. Stay healthy, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. That's Gunner Romney on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. We learned a lot there. Yes, we really did. He uh, called the wide receivers room scary. Uh, so much talent in there. They're getting after it. So they have mandatory workouts, strength and conditioning, running, lifting, that kind of thing. But then, as he mentioned, they still have the player-run practices. So that's where the quarterbacks are going to throw to the receivers. Everyone's going to get different work in, defensively, offensively. Leaders sort of show up, right, uh, in there. So they're, they're grinding. And then all the stuff they do planning, on their own. And he's play, right? Yeah. And then he's planning a wedding. He's, he's uh, you know, it's going to be a competitive group there. He's watching Zach Wilson, watching Dax Milne. This is an exciting time for Gunnar Romney and the receivers in this team. Well, I'm really excited, and, I, and I'm like you. Before we even heard about the Nakua brothers, I was still excited for what was possible with this receiving core. And then you add those guys to the mix, and it really, honestly, there really should not be much of a drop-off. No, no, and, no. It'll be better. Well, well It I, will be. Okay, I, and I, I agree with you, but... If all that happens is you have the same type of production, I'm going to take that and in it, a heartbeat. And the question will be, how close can the quarterback production be? We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Brandon Davies was named to the All-EuroLeague second team. And Davies has carved out a very nice career overseas. But, Jerem, has Brandon Davies had a better professional career than the one and only James Taft for debt? I think it deserves a conversation given the All-EuroLeague now in 2019 and 2021. First team All-EuroLeague, by the way, in 2019. That is significant. What Brandon Davies is doing in Spain should not be overlooked. But... Jimmer Fredette played five years in the NBA, has scored 70-plus twice in China. PTI has still brought him up because yeah. he's the Jimmer. I still think it's Jimmer. Brandon Davies has become a better pro player than he was in college, and in college he was pretty good. Uh, but he has been a guy that, listen, if you're paying attention to European basketball, which is the best, obviously, outside of the NBA, Brandon Davies is a name. People know his name. He's dunking. He's shooting threes. He's... Like on Instagram, he's creating Rambo videos of himself with face swaps. He, he's a big, fun personality. Obviously, nationally, he's known for the guy that couldn't play at the end of 2011 due to the you know honor code and whatnot. That's sort of that mantra. But to BYU fans, what Brandon Davies is significant. I still think Jimmer Fredette has had a better pro career because of those five seasons in the NBA. They weren't as effective and as interesting as we were hoping for. But to me, that... Plus what he's done, uh, you know, won, won the Greek League with Panathinaikos that one year. Uh, went back to China. He scored 70-plus in two games. I still go with Jimmer here. 
All right, and let's not shortchange Brandon Davies for his time in the NBA as well. He ended up signing with the Clippers in Summer League, got released, and picked up by the 76ers. And that was that time of transition for Philadelphia where they were going through the trust the process. And so they were able to give a lot of guys playing time that may not have been able to have that in any other year. Brandon Davies was somebody that was able to take advantage of that situation. 78 games in two years. So, I mean, he, he did play in the NBA. It was certainly not the number of years that Jimmer played. Here's how I think I'm going to approach this. I think at the end of the day, I believe Brandon Davies has played more meaningful games as a professional. With FC Barcelona? With, well, just in his entire career, I think he's played more meaningful games. Are you throwing the Sixers while they're I'm, trusting I'm, the process games in there? No, I'm, I'm talking about mostly... Because that's equal to or worse than Jimmer's. I, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about... The leagues that he's played in overseas, he's been able to get to the finals. He's actually been able to win some, some titles. So FC Barcelona. So I, I think that has been more meaningful than what Jimmer has played. But I ultimately will, will stay with Jimmer that he has had the better professional career because, and I think beyond, beyond the, the five years in the NBA, beyond the scoring 70, Jimmer is still Jimmer. Jimmer is still a draw. That, that just doesn't go away. And there's a reason why. It's because everybody pays attention to what he does. 10, 11 years later from Jimmermania, he is still relevant in the minds of sports fans. And I think because of that, while I do believe Brandon has played more meaningful games, I still think Jimmer has had the better career. Yeah, and Jimmer is largely irrelevant at the moment unless he does something like a 70-point game. Um, to the national audience. Then it shows up on PTI and, and SportsCenter. It's like, whoa, look what Jimmer did. Brandon Davies, not the same, quite the same impact. But I am very happy for a Brandon Davies who has shown that if you don't play in the NBA, you can still make a ton of money, yes. have a very successful career with uh, one of the big clubs in Europe. So, look, and we don't know that, if his NBA career is done. We don't know that. True. But I mean, probably, look, I'm not, right? but I'm not, I'm not saying that he hasn't it's... played in the league for six years. No, but... You get one of these guys, you get a team that needs somebody that can, that's coming from one of the top programs overseas. It's, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but I'm also saying you don't write it off either. So there, there could still be a chapter to be written in the NBA. However, if it's not, I agree with everything you just said. He, what he has done in terms of making a living for himself and his family, making an even stronger name for himself as a basketball player cannot be undersold. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. UCLA and Gonzaga are discussing scheduling a Final Four men's hoops rematch next season in the regular season. So if you could schedule a game against one opponent from last year for BYU football and basketball, who would it be and why? I think most people are going to agree with where we go with this for football, certainly. Coastal yes. Carolina. Yes. Like, it, there's only one answer to this question. It's Coastal Carolina. However... I do want to bring up something you said in our meeting this morning. <laughs> the, the deal, though, is, yes, we get to play Coastal Carolina again. But, in Provo. 
In Provo. But they have to travel on. Or, but, but they don't know. They don't until, know it, though, until they don't Wednesday. They know until Tuesday afternoon. Yes. And they don't leave until. It Wednesday. has to be under the same circumstances. Otherwise, like, we want them to have to deal with the same things that we went through. Actually, I think it was Wednesday. And Wednesday, then, and they left and Thursday. Thursday. I was sitting in Uncasville, Connecticut at the BYU and uh, St. John's game, I think. Maybe it was USC. And it was like, hey, Coastal Carolina is going to happen. And it was like, whoa. This is crazy. Yeah. Uh, definitely. That is the one for sure. It's the only loss of the yes. season. Everything else worked out swimmingly. It's the, bl- it's the one blemish on last year's schedule. And that blemish is highlighted in teal. I also want just an MMA fight with uh, number 94. Yes. Um, he's not there anymore, right? He's, he's transfer portal, didn't he? Or did he? I don't know if, he, I don't he, know if he he's might been have picked been, up. He might have been drafted. Um, they, they had a couple guys drafted, I think. Coastal Carolina was good. Yeah, absolutely. Listen. It was a fun game. Didn't go BYU's way. BYU did not lose any street cred nationally for this game. In fact, BYU gained it for doing it. But, obviously, you want to win. Um, it would be nice to have the Chanticleers and Michael T. Benson, uh, who's the president there, a BYU grad, right? uh, to have them in Provo. That would be great in the future. Uh, what about uh, for basketball? Basketball is interesting because, uh, you know, Boise State's one that sticked out. I know you've yeah you brought that up. That's the one that stuck out to me. Losing seventy four to seventy in Provo. I don't I don't like losing yeah. to Boise State anytime. Right. And and that one that one just sat wrong with everybody because BYU went down fourteen nothing. Yes. And then it came down to the wire. Yeah. BYU. Um. You know, the, Boise State makes a shot at the end to win. Alex Barcelo gets a look. It doesn't go down. They make a free throw. It's a four point loss. That's yeah. That's one that. Hey, in the end, BYU didn't have to have that win to one get in the tourney but two BYU had a six seed that was amazing amazing this year given that BYU had fewer games to deal with there are only a handful of non-power six men's basketball schools that get in the tourney I think it was five and BYU as an at-large and BYU was the highest seed of all of them so that was one of the uh the best BYU basketball seasons we've seen in a long time um, that team wasn't better than the year before, but the the ability for them to get back to the tourney and have that kind of year was amazing. Well, and, and the, the year before BYU was going to be a six seed, right. think about that. Yes, BYU at the end of the season, though, in the pandemic ending year, twenty twenty, was playing like a top ten team with Yoli Childs. Once Yoli Childs entered the fray, and he was healthy and on the team, not only back from suspension, but, but they weren't being talked about as a six seed. They were not going to get that high. They were talk, being talked about as like an eight seed. No, Lenardi said I would have had them as six. They would have been a five, but they would have slid to a six due to Sunday. See, I, th- I thought I thought it was they were talked about as being like that that eight nine. Like they were definitely in, but I thought it was more eight because that's why this year was so surprising. Like, look, well, anytime BYU is a single digit seed, yes, it's it's awesome. Well, see, and and you said something a second ago. Like some people may look at this schedule from last year and say you get that game at Pepperdine back. But at the end of the day, it didn't hurt BYU. It didn't matter. It didn't hurt because you still end up getting the tournament. You know, the, the conference tournament is what it is. But in terms of the seed, you still got a six seed. The point is to be in the NCAA tournament and be a single-digit seed. The highest seed you can. We talked. Spencer and I were screaming, please no 8-9. Just don't be 8-9. I'd rather be a 10, 11, or 12. scream it, though. It's true. Say it, don't spray it, right? <laughs> yes. Especially in a pandemic. Six feet apart. Vaccinated. <laughs> masks. Yeah. So, coastal football. Boise State hoops. We've left out the the game though. UCLA. Yeah. To play that game again would be good. I mean, you watch UCLA go to the Final Four and you're like, okay, they were pretty good. But uh, Johnny Juzang, I would love to play that game again. 
BYU didn't play a great game. Obviously, UCLA's length caused BYU some real problems. Um, but if we're going to play that game, the Bruins cannot know about it. They have to travel on a, <laughs> on a Thursday. Yeah. yeah. No, that was a tough one. BYU uh, stunk from three. Obviously, that was kind of a sour way to end it. But UCLA was good, man. UCLA um, was really, really they good. They were really good. We thought BYU would play better. And the Bruins were in a play-in game. 11 seed, right? To the Final Four. Is that what happened? Were they in 11? Are you telling me that a play-in team is going to advance? <laughs> Because I don't need that. The UCLA Grizzly. No. <laughs> the Memphis Bruins. <laughs> oh, no! That's right, Greg. Yeah, uh, weigh in on that if you have a uh, you know, comment. Uh, you know, tweet at us what you're, what you're thinking on that one. But, yeah, UCLA is the game. I would like to replay that NCAA tournament game and just see what happens. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Our next guest did the following last week. He went 9 for 16 on the diamond. Three homers, six walks, seven runs, five RBIs, 19 total bases. It was a heck of a way to end the season. His name is Mitch McIntyre, the West Coast Conference Player of the Week, the Collegiate Baseball News National Player of the Week on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Mitch, congratulations on an amazing week. What a way to end the season, man. Yeah, thanks for <clears> – <throat> I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a good way to end the season. But, uh, I mean, sad that we're not still playing, but, um, you know, grateful for the time that I had with those guys. So, What was Saturday's game like for you guys as as a team? You guys have been on a tear. You guys have been playing well. As you mentioned, you'd, you'd love to still be playing baseball. But like you said, you kind of ended the season on, a, on an extreme high note. You guys were hitting home runs left and right. You had a couple of them. That was a really fun game to end the season with, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, that was, that was a super fun game to play in. I mean, I don't know what was going on. I guess the wind was blowing. Must have been blowing out a lot <laughs> for me to get to. But, um, no, I mean, we, we wish we were still playing. Um, coach came in before saying that um, if this was like a normal season, then this game would be um, like able for us to clinch fourth place, which we did. And so, I mean, usually we would go on to the tournament, which um, unfortunately we don't have it this year, but um, you know, just kind of even putting that mindset into the younger players' minds and um, just kind of ending on a, on a high note is uh, just, just a huge way to um, cap the season for us and um, get ready for next year. So. 23 and 27 overall, 15 and 12 in league, as you mentioned, would have been the four seed in the West Coast Conference tournament, which would have begun in two days. Um, I, how'd you feel about how the season went? Because obviously there was a time where it was rough. You guys were struggling, but you really turned it around at the end of the year. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of these guys because, you know, we, we did have that rough patch in the middle. And um, instead of just kind of, you know, we kind of knew at that point that, the postseason was kind of not in our future that, you know, we could have just not done what we did and um, just go out there and play and um, get better every day. And so, you know, I'm glad that these guys, these guys are awesome. You know, they, they just want to get better and um, play as a team. And so, you know, we, it sucks that we started getting hot towards the end when it um, honestly kind of matters, um, especially going into the tournament, but um, you know, I'm excited for, us to end that way and kind of just keep rolling into next year. Well, and, and that's a perfect lead into what I wanted to ask. How, how do you do that? And because 
Coach Littlewood, who was on the show last week, you know, talked about the fact that 90, 95 percent of this team is going to be back. And, and you're expecting to be back, even though you're a senior. I know, I know you're going to put your name in the, the MLB draft coming up in June and see how that goes. Um, but if not, if things don't work out the way you want there, you are expecting to come back. So how do you take what you guys did at the end of the year and with the majority of guys coming back? Is that all about offseason workout and just kind of staying you know, kind of grinding this this entire off season to make sure you hit the ground running in the in the spring. Yeah, um, for sure. And we kind of had a some exit meetings, kind of just helping guys, you know, see what they need to work on and and stuff like that. But I think um, just ending the season the way we did, we we wanted the young guys to you know experience what it was to play winning and playing, you know, hot and um, just you know grinding each game and um and so I think that was just huge kind of getting to that mindset um going into next year just to keep it going and you know hopefully next year um it could be a breakout season for us so in terms of you and Major League Baseball what's the process like to to put your name in and, and what do you have to do to begin that process I know obviously you've had teammates recently who have gone through that what what's that process entail what are you expecting yeah, um, it's kind of crazy just filling out questionnaire forms and, and speaking to scouts and kind of just hoping that your name gets picked or that someone likes you. But, um, you know, I'm I'm really excited that if I get the opportunity to move on to the next level that, um, you know, I'll, I'll make the most out of it. But um, I'm also grateful, you know, to play for BYU. And so um, I would say BYU is not too bad of a backup plan to play one more year, but um you know, I'd, I'd love to move on to the next level and, and get the opportunity. Yeah, it feels like a win-win. We're talking to Mitch McIntyre on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, Jason is basically part of the team. He goes out with you guys for the majority of the uh, you know non-conference play. Greg Rubel calls the games J- uh, later. Jason's still in the dugout on BYU TV. And what, what if Jason was actually on the team, like he had a jersey number? What oh, no. number would you give him? Oh, that's hard, man. Um, I don't know. I could, I could feel like he could be like a second base kind of speedy guy, maybe. So, oh, like a single, maybe digit? like, yeah, like a single digit, exactly. <laughs> maybe like two, three. You're very four. kind. Hey, I guess Jelly, you could take Jelly's number now. It's available. Um, and what? So, second base. Where where would you put him in the batting lineup? Ooh. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you could take my spot, lead off. Ooh, Look, there's no chance, <laughs> Mitch, Mitch. There is no lay, chance that when it's bunt, time maybe? to to write the lineup card, the coach Littlewood is ever going to put down Shepard in the lineup card. Put it's just Shep, not happening. He wouldn't. He would say Shepard. Say Shep, baby. <laughs> let's let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about. Um, obviously, that's what's in store for you then. But in, in terms of those exit interviews and how the season played out. What are some of your favorite moments from the 2021 season, which was certainly a unique one given COVID and no WCC tournament and everything? Yeah, no, I mean, it was kind of a crazy year too, in a sense of last year um, and kind of starting at the beginning with no fans and everything. So I would say highlight was having fans at the game, especially playing at home. I mean, it's, such a different atmosphere playing at home in front of your own fans and with your guys and then playing in an empty stadium that feels like a scrimmage. So um, I would say that I would say, you know, the San Diego series, that was a super fun one. Um, just 
competing our butts off. And um, honestly, I would say the last that, the last game, just because you know all the seniors, we were super close, and um, we knew how much it meant to them, and so we just wanted to perform for them and um, make sure that they end on a good note. So. Well, Mitch, you and Zane Anderson are the two greatest uh, athletes from Stansbury Park, Utah, of all time. Congratulations on that. And uh, it was fun to watch you guys figure it out near the end of the That season. wraps that up the best of BYU Sports so, Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.